the Bible Study Podcast, episode 506. Today, the Bible Study Podcast continues the study of the book of Ephesians with the second part of chapter 2. Welcome to the Bible Study Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Christensen. We finished last time the first 16 verses of Ephesians chapter 4, so let's start with verse 17, Instructions for Christian Living. So I tell you this, and insist on it in the Lord, that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity, and they are full of greed. So Paul is going to tell us how to live as Christians, but first he's going to tell us how not to live. He's saying, look around you, look at the people that you lived with. He said, they they don't have a sensitivity for the presence of God. They've turned their back on God and therefore, or haven't heard of him, and therefore they don't notice when God is at work. Now, I really have to wonder, do we notice when God is around, when God is at work? Do we see the fingerprints of God in our daily lives? I think sometimes I do and sometimes I don't. Sometimes I lose some of that sensitivity, and I can certainly lose that with just getting too busy or with unrepentant sin or all of those things that can distract me from the presence of God or separate me from the presence of God. And so he says, because of that, they turn themselves over to sensuality. They want to feel good. And there's all sorts of different ways that we abuse feeling good just in terms of the specific sins it turns into. It turns into gluttony. It turns into sexual impurity. And he says they're full of greed. So all of those things are things that he doesn't want us to live that way. Greed is something we probably don't talk enough about. When we talk about other people's sin, we avoid the fact that when Jesus is talking about sin in the Bible, greed is probably the one he talks about more than any other one. He talks about money a lot. He doesn't talk about some of the things that get us all worked up and bothered, homosexuality, abortion, and those things. Not that they are good things, not that they are not sin, but he talks about this thing that is very basic in our culture and has been kind of central to a lot of cultures over the world, and that's greed. That's that self-centeredness. Remember that anything that is self-centered, that is thinking of ourselves instead of others, it's just really kind of definitionally sin. It's living that life that is centered around me and what I want rather than what God wants. And greed is just kind of completely, perfectly that. It is really saying that what I want is the most important thing and I can't have enough. I can't be content with what I have. I've always got to have more. It's not a particularly great way to live a life, but it's the way that a lot of us do live our lives. But he goes on and says that, however, is not the way of life you learned. When you heard about Christ and were taught in him accordance with the truth that is in Jesus, you were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. 
So he's saying, you're something new now. You're Christian now. It's not just a new set of beliefs layered on top of the old, but you have been created again. So set aside that old life. One of the reasons that the early church and many churches today still practice immersion baptism is that it was a picture of death. It was a picture of drowning the old self, and you come up something new and something clean. And it is a good picture. And I happen to be at a church that sprinkles with water, but I like the picture of baptism as that dying of the old self and the rebirth of the new self. That old self was corrupt, corrupt by deceitful desires. That's interesting. Not just desires, but deceitful desires. When you think about it, a lot of the desires we have are deceitful, right? If I just get such and such, I'll be happy. Right, The only thing that's separating me from happiness is that person, that car, that job, that opportunity, whatever it is. And then a month later, we find ourselves right back where we started. A lot of us are desires that the thing that will solve my problems right now is that piece of chocolate cake. I happen to be on a diet right now, so you can imagine where my thoughts are going. It's a deceitful desire because... When I eat that, I'm going to not only feel guilty, but it's not for my long-term good, right? Continues, therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor, for we are all members of one body. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry, and do not give the devil a foothold. Anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work, doing something useful with their hands, and that they may have something to share with those in need. The Bible talks a lot about truthfulness. The Bible, both Jesus and Paul in this case, would not be big fans of alternative facts. There are places where we're going to disagree, where we're going to disagree as Christians, but let's at least think about truth. Let's at least search for and honor truth and truthfulness, and especially in our individual dealings with one another. Let's speak the truth to our neighbors. And it says, you know, we understand you're going to get angry. We understand that you're going to get frustrated with each other, but do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. Don't let those things build up. Don't let those things fester. They don't get better. I'm dealing with a situation where some people that I work with um, in a particular way, when I don't want to go into details, let some things fester. And it is breaking apart a group that I work with and love and care for in a way that is frustrating and sad. And there's not a lot you can do if you let things fester too long. Sometimes you need to say, You know, when you said that, it hurt me. This is how I interpreted what you said. And sometimes the person really meant that. And sometimes they'll say, oh, I'm so sorry. That is not what I intended. 
But if you let it go, if you wait a week, if you wait a month, if you wait six months to have that conversation, by that point, everything that person has said, you have filed into that bucket of this person thinks this way and this is what they're trying to do. And they may or may not be thinking that way and trying to do that. But by that time, your ideas and your thoughts are fixed in that thought process. It's the way liberals treat conservatives and conservatives treat liberals. We didn't talk a long time ago, and now we don't know a way to talk anymore. We get angry. Those who are stealing must steal no longer. This is interesting. He's talking to people in the church. If you want to see any evidence that Christians are not perfect, he's having to tell people who are already in the church listening to his letters that you need to stop stealing. Now, stealing can be obvious as stealing bread from the bread cart, but it can be stealing office supplies. It can be cheating on your taxes. But he's saying you got to stop that. And obviously, you've got to do something useful with your hands. You've got to contribute that you may instead share. Instead of stealing, you should share, right? He's going the opposite way. He's not just saying stop. He's saying stop and do something new and better. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you." I'm generally pretty good about watching what I say. I worked with someone for 14 years at a startup company at uh, Live World and for four years before that at Apple. And I remember towards the end of the time that we worked together. So now almost 17, 18 years that we'd known each other. And I was the EVP of engineering and operations. So I was in charge of all things technical. And sometimes things go wrong, as you can well imagine. And the the person who was the in charge of everything non-technical said, you remember that time that Chris almost got angry? <laughs> and I just found that very amusing and affirming, too, that she could see that over those years I had managed to hold my anger. I'd managed not to say the thing that I really wanted to say sometimes. She did say that time that I almost got angry. It was really, really scary. So she could tell that I was really angry, but I but I tried really carefully to watch what I said. And I, I know what situation she was talking about. She was talking about a time I was supposed to take my birthday off, which I liked to do at that time, and someone had screwed up. And I got called in to work on a day that I was not planning on working, that I was planning on being off having fun because of someone's mistake. And I had to be very, very, very careful about what I said. So I do pretty good with what I say, but do you think maybe I can get judged by my Twitter feed, my Facebook feed? You know, where am I expressing my bitterness, rage and anger, my brawling and my slander and every form of malice? It may not just be the things I say to you, to your face. It may be the things that I say to you about you behind your back that I really, really need to be careful about as well. Because we are called to be kind and compassionate. We're called to forgive as Christ forgave us. We are called to be graceful people. Let's live out that calling this week. With that, we'll end this episode of the Bible Study Podcast. If you have any questions, Send an email to host at thebiblestudypodcast.com or better yet, leave a comment on this episode at thebiblestudypodcast.com. And thanks 
so much for listening. No matter what you're going through, you are not alone. Sis, if you've experienced pain in your father-daughter relationship, I want you to know that you are loved and seen. I'm Kia Stevens, host of the Hope for Women with Father Wounds podcast, and I created my show to help you exchange your father wounds for the love of God the Father. Join me for encouragement, wisdom, and scripture. Just search Hope for Women with Father Wounds on lifeaudio.com or wherever you get your podcast.